Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. The Holy Gospel, according to St. Matthew, the second chapter. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, (coughs) and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Got a question for you this morning. How do you measure wisdom? I would say that some measure wisdom by age. You know, the accumulated experience of years and years of living of trying and succeeding, as well as trying and failing. Realizing the things that last and what doesn't last. Learning what's important and what really isn't. Having loved and lost. Learning of the time that we spent well and times that have been foolishly wasted. Probably other combinations we could talk about. That's sort of the stuff of wisdom, right? And I think there definitely is merit to that. But I'm not sure that it guarantees wisdom. I am pretty sure that you all know people as I do who have been through a lot and have had long lives and yet learned little and continue to be quite foolish. So how do you measure wisdom? Some would like to measure it by schooling. 
the number of years you've had in, the number of schools you've gone to, the number of degrees and diplomas hanging on your wall, the number of letters that either precede or follow your name. And again, there's some merit to that, though you and I probably all know somebody who's even practically a professional student who's walked their ladder up uh, academia who still really is not all that wise. So we're still stuck with the question, how do you measure wisdom? I bring it up because today is the day that we are celebrating the epiphany of our Lord. And we heard again from Matthew the story of the wise men. That's what most of our English translations call them. In the beloved Christmas carol, they're called three kings. And that might be because of the prophecy we also heard today from Isaiah, how kings would come, to, come and worship Jesus and bring gold and frankincense. In the Greek, they're simply called magi. And let me tell you, there's no small debate about what that word means and how it should be translated. It could be that they were magicians or astrologers of some sort. It also could be that they were very valued court advisors. The truth is we don't know exactly who they were, where they came from, how they traveled, how far they traveled. We don't know if they were young or old. We don't know when they decided to follow the star. We don't even know how many of them there were. Yes, stories and legends have certainly grown up around them. Names have even been given to them as, long, as well as countries of origin. But so little about them is actually known from the Scriptures. They are quite mysterious. But there is one thing that we know with absolute certainty, beyond a shadow of a doubt. God wanted those wise men there. God wanted them to see his son. God wanted them to be among the first Gentiles, if not the very first Gentiles, to come and see and to worship God in the flesh. Yeah, well, I've digressed a little bit, though. So we still haven't answered the question, how do you measure wisdom? Or put it another way, what made these men wise? Maybe they had great learning. Maybe they had the wisdom of age and experience. But I would suggest to you that there is another way, another measure of wisdom, a way you may not have thought about before. Distance. Yes, distance. Now, okay, come on, Pastor. You just said we don't know where they came from. We don't know how far they traveled. Was it hundreds of miles? Was it thousands of miles? But that's not the distance I mean. The distance I'm talking about is approximately 18 inches. That's about a biblical cubit. And the distance between the heel and the knee of an average adult. And I'm wondering if maybe the hardest part of the wise men's journey was the last part. They fell down and worshipped this child. 18 inches. I propose that that's the measure of wisdom. 
I mean, think about it. These magi, these wise men, these kings, whatever you call them, they had come to worship the king of the Jews. Now, they went to Jerusalem because that's logical. You would expect a king to be born in the capital city, in a palace, among royalty, and among wealth. But he's not there. The king, Herod, well, he sends them to Bethlehem. Okay, some town they'd never ever heard of. A little bump in the road that it is. It's a bit odd, but you go. Aha, and then the star reappears. And you're the star that's starting on the journey, and it leads you now again to Bethlehem, to a house. A house, not a palace. It was probably a pretty common and ordinary house, not a fancy one. And when you go into that house, what do you see? A mother and a child. <laughs> Just like any other mother and child. There were no halos around their head. There was no supernatural glow coming out of their skin that might indicate that this child was something special. It doesn't quite add up. It doesn't quite make sense. You know, there's a potential that they'd be laughed at by their fellow magi, by the fellow wise men or the royal attendants if they could see them now in this house before this mother and child. Nevertheless, they fall down on their knees and they worship this child. And that journey from standing to kneeling, I would say, that gives them the esteemed title, wise men. After all, how does that proverb go? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. God had revealed to them through his word and through other means what was actually going on, who this child was. And they believed that. They believed God's will, way and God's wisdom over their own thinking, over their own wisdom, over what they were seeing with their eyes. 18 inches. But I think there's probably even more to this idea of 18 inches being the measure of wisdom. In fact, the truest measure of wisdom is approximately 18 inches from the bottom of the heels to the top of the head of the baby Jesus. You know, that's about the size babies are when they are born, 18 to 20 inches. And as Paul tells us as he writes to the Corinthians, this baby, this Jesus, Jesus Christ, he is the power of God and the wisdom of God. In those 18 inches of baby Jesus, they make all the difference in the world. They reveal to us the true wisdom of God. They reveal to us the fullness of God's love for us, for you. It's probably not how we'd do it, right? To save the world, you need power. You need to be big and you need to be fearsome. To save the world, you don't want to be small and weak. You don't want to be born in poverty and in lowliness. To save the world, you certainly wouldn't allow yourself to be arrested, to be whipped and crucified, would you? But God does. Because truth is, he didn't come to save the world. He came to save you. 
And you. And you. And you. All you all. But it's great to hear it in these words. He came to save each one of us. And so he came as one of us. He lived as one of us. And he offered his life and died in order to make us his. And it all started with Mary and Joseph and even a manger that held those 18 inches. The 18 inches of God in the flesh. The 18 inches of the wisdom of God. And if you want to be wise, you don't have to wait until you're old. You don't have to have lots of schooling. You don't have to travel thousands of miles and climb the Himalayas to find some mystical Eastern teaching. The measure of wisdom is 18 inches or so. The 18 inches of God, as well as the 18 inches from your head to your heart, from hearing the good news to believing that this is my God, this is my Savior. Now, we don't have a physical manger. We don't even have the physical body of Christ to get down on our knees before. So God gives another 18 inches in order to deliver himself to you. Because 18 inches is also about the measurement of the elbow to the tip of the middle finger. And it's this hand and arm that pours out waters of holy baptism. It's a hand that makes the sign of the cross in absolution that you might be reminded it was his cross for your forgiveness. It's a hand that delivers the very body and blood of Jesus to you with the bread and with the wine. And of course, there is also your hand when it's holding a Bible about 18 inches away. The wisdom of God. You know, the wise men, when they walked into that house, they didn't say, why? It's just the child. Their own thinking had been taken captive by the epiphany of the Word of God. And they humbly fell those 18 inches to their knees and worshipped Him. For us today, here in this house, in this church, we don't look at this all and say, oh, it's just water. It's just a bunch of words. It's just a little wafer and a sip of wine. Because our thinking has been taken captive by the epiphany of the Word of God. And so we believe that in those waters of baptism, God is pouring out the gift of His Son and the gift of His Spirit as He unites both infant and old in Jesus' death and into His resurrection. When we hear the words of absolution, when we see the sign of the cross being made, we recognize that it is not just a person doing that, but we hear the very voice of God because it is His forgiveness that is delivered into your ears. And when we receive that bread and that wine, we are receiving Christ Jesus Himself, body and blood, just as really and as truly as if we were at the manger or in the house. In faith, 
we humbly fall those 18 inches from head to heart. And we are wise men. Wise men who see Jesus here for me. And like the wise men, we too bring gifts. For them it was gold and frankincense and myrrh. For us we like to talk about the three T's, time, talent, and treasure. But I'm willing to bet that if you asked the wise men that day, they would have said that they received a gift far greater, far superior to anything they gave because they received the gift of a Savior in us as well. Whatever you bring to give and whatever you leave behind here, you will leave here richer than when you came because you will have again received the very gifts of God. That's what the divine service is all about. That God is here delivering gifts to you. That you receive Jesus Christ, your Savior, again and again. That you receive the forgiveness and the life and the salvation that he won for you. That you receive what no money, no riches could ever buy. But what could only be purchased by the blood of Jesus. Yeah, and that little 18-inch package of a baby in the water and the words and the bread and the wine, in the blood of the cross, you are receiving the very wisdom of God. Wisdom for all. Life for all. Life for Jew and Gentile alike, for the poor shepherd, for the wealthy wise men, for a computer programmer, for the student, for the entrepreneur, for the mother, for the nurse, for the retired person. Jesus comes. And those 18 inches make all the difference in the world. For they are God's very wisdom for you. Amen. And may the peace of God, the wisdom of God, and the love of God fill you with the peace of God. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings.